Hi, and welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Melius, and I'm so glad that you're here and can't wait to introduce to you Jenny Nash. Jenny Nash is the author of 11 books in three genres, including Blueprint for a Nonfiction Book, Plan and Pitch Your Idea, and Blueprint for a Book, Build Your Novel from the Inside Out. She is the founder and CEO of Author Accelerator, a company that certifies book coaches so they can support writers as they do their best work. Let's dive into the pond and meet Jenny. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to bring to you Jenny Nash. Jenny, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It's fun to be here. I'm so glad you are. And I would love for you to start with how did you get into writing? Oh, gosh, I got into writing in fourth grade. <laughs> the, um, we had a, a class assignment for we were making a book. It was a cardboard uh, cover with crinkly paper that we ironed onto it. And we were allowed to um, make submit poems for this book. And my father was a writer. He's a professor and he used to sit at the far end of our house. He had this fabulous typewriter, had this great sound and, you know, clack, 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 clack. And I, and I, I had this really intuitive sense of what he was doing, that he was making something to go out into the world for other people to, to read. And I just loved everything about that idea that a writer writes alone, but that they're writing for other people and they're out there somewhere. And so I submitted all the poems to our, our book that we made. I think half of the book was mine. <laughs> and um, that that's, that's where it all started. Uh, I always, I always wanted to be a writer and I, and I made that path. Um, I was an English major. I went to New York City after college and got a job at Random House. And I just kept inching closer and closer to the writing itself. And uh, I published my first book when I was 25. And I uh, had a really solidly mid-list writing career before I turned it all in for book coaching. I love that. Okay, so there are a few things here we have to unpack here. One of which is the fact, I have to just tell you that in fourth grade, I had to turn in a book of poems too. <laughs> were yours mimeographed? Ours were that purple mimeograph. I'm probably older than you are. <laughs> no, no, was... but, but I remember having to write them out, having to put them, bind them in a, a certain way. And then um, actually my teacher submitted mine to a young authors convention. And I, and I got to attend a local university where they were doing this convention. I remember thinking, this is amazing. So oh, that's so great. <laughs> so I love, I love that you, you said that with the fourth, in particular, fourth grade and poems. <laughs> yeah, they were very bad poems, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> that is okay. Because to your point, you wrote them and you put them out. And that is, there's real courage there between writing something that you write for yourself, and then turning around and then sharing that. And I mean, so to follow this path, you followed this into writing. So you went to English, but then you also went and worked at the publisher. What was that like being on that side of the fence, relatively speaking, because so many authors, they want to be published and they would love to be published by one of the big five, four, whatever their number is now. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was, I mean, it was incredible training for so many reasons. I, so I'm 58, I just turned 58 years old. And when I started at Random House, authors were still turning their work in on paper and the computers were there, but we would type the text into the computer or, or sometimes we'd get a floppy disk. It was really the beginning of that change in the in the industry. And so I was there at a time when there were stacks and stacks of actual manuscripts in the room and that visceral sense of, uh, you know, being pulled from the slush pile was something I, I actually experienced because I mean, there were, it, it just was so physical, how many pages, how many books, and, and the other thing that really has stayed with me is how terrible so many of the submissions were. And, and even as a, a young, brand new worker out in the world, I could see that, uh, you know, people would scribble their cover letter on a ripped out piece of paper with coffee stains on it. And, you know, that doesn't mean that their book was bad, but usually it there was a correlation, you know, and, uh, but you could just see the, the gap between what writers, you could see that desperation of wanting to be picked and wanting to be uh, pulled out of the pile and, and made special without having to do the work. And even back that long ago in my career, just having that inside look at that and that sense of how a real professional stands out and does the work and is going to be more likely to get the attention that that was all really present in my work there at at random house and i i just learned so much by even just understanding that there was a person whose job it was to pick out the paper that the the price of the paper and the quality of the paper and the size of the paper was a whole person's job and you know just understanding that it was a business and there were business decisions that were being made not just creative decisions has informed my whole career and i'm just terribly grateful for for that experience and and something really uh, cool that i want to also add about my time there I was working in an imprint called Ballantine Books, which still exists. Mm -hmm. And there was a woman running Ballantine at the time. Her name's Joelle Del Borgo. And she is now an agent, a literary agent. And I'm her colleague. I'm very connected with her. She sends writers to me all the time and we're friends. And what an incredible thing that she's been in this business so long and so many different places and levels and and is so wise and way back in the day i was getting to learn from people like that and um you know so i just think back my time as just an incredible opportunity absolutely I, I absolutely and i would imagine that basically this whole experience that you had between one starting with a book of poems english major this random house experience just all of what went into it. And to your point, the, the level of detail, we're talking of, to your point, the weight of the paper, the color of the paper, all of that matters. There are, there are some nuances like that really can set a tone for the book just because you've changed the color of the paper even. 
And I love that. I think that that's amazing. There are a couple of books that are coming to me in particular that I'm thinking of where just that paper change set a tone. It's a book called Asylum. And that book in particular that I'm thinking of, the paper is slightly darker. It's not, uh, uh, it's, it's beautiful though. It is perfect for this book just because it sets a tone that goes, Ooh, there's a nice little creep factor happening. And it makes you feel that a little bit more. So I love that you specifically called that out. So how all of those pieces though came into play, I'm sure they showed up in the books that you've published that you have written. Would you talk a bit about that transition of going from being a writer in one house, going to a publishing house and then publishing your own works? Yeah, I I mean I always wanted to to be the one doing the writing and and I recognized that working for other writers was was not that and there's a lot of people in publishing that get into it because they love books and they love writers and they love that whole world and they want to be part of it and and I was certainly one of those people but but I did want to to be the writer and I moved in that direction I actually moved and started working at a magazine it was a slick city magazine called New York Woman that was an incredible training ground as well you know, producing a magazine, you're just constantly having to come up with a new story and write to a word count. That training was so valuable to me. We were constantly cutting work to fit into, it was a very beautifully designed magazine. It won all kinds of design awards. So our design usually came first and they would dictate how long an article should be. Sometimes they would even dictate what the first letter should be of the article because they wanted a very large font letter on the page. So I got a, this design training and this and this sense of, of a story not being terribly precious, um, which I think is very helpful. And I, I began writing for the magazine I did the table of contents like I wrote this summaries of the different articles and I would write the captions of the pictures and and I began to just get my feet under me as a person who put words on the page that were being published. So I, I became closer to the writing with that move to the magazine and during that time I wrote an article as an essay uh, about getting married. And we had a lot of incredible writers working for us at the time. And, and one of the, the one of the writer's agents asked if I was interested in writing a book. And I mean, I was 25 years old. I didn't have to do anything. It just fell into my lap, which is not very uh, useful to most people, right? Because it doesn't work like that for most people. But that that was how my first book was published. And, and um, I just kept rolling with with the books um and like i said i became a solidly mid-list writer which which is kind of a terrible place to be <laughs> um you know it's a place everybody wants to get they're all trying you know trying to get into that space but when you are in that space and can't get out of it it's you know it's hard to make a living as a writer and that's that's really where i found myself i I can understand that. And you also wrote in multiple genres. Did that help or did that further feel like in a box almost? I mean, I almost, what I'm hearing is that you did get out of that, that quandary, if you will, but I'm also, I also know that you wrote multiple genres. So did you, was it one genre, then you moved to another and that 
enabled some expansion because there were multiple places? I was, I mean, when I think about it now, I just was so naive. I, I was writing the books that were on my heart, which is, which is what writers do. And when I say I was naive, that's not a way to make a career that you have to be savvier than that. You have to be more strategic than that. And a perfect example is I wrote a book called raising a reader and I wrote it, uh, for, for two reasons. Um, it came after a book that I wrote on having breast cancer and I did quite a lot of public appearances and touring and speaking about breast cancer. And I didn't want to be cancer girl. So my, my strategy was to write a book, not about cancer, which is, is not a great idea to like to, as a career strategy. Um, and so that was one of my primary motivators. And, and then I was just very interested in this idea. I had two children and they, they were, I was so desperate for them to be readers. I, I felt that reading everything depends on reading. I still feel that way. And I, I was a little uh, obsessive about getting them to read. And it was, you know, I read to them every night and we went on trips to the library and it was just this, this whole, um, way of living that I was, that I was immersed in. And I, and I wanted to capture that in a book because I thought it was interesting. So the, that was another not advisable way to approach a book. Uh, you know, so I'm going to write a book that's not about cancer. And that is something that I just, I just find interesting. I never stopped to think about who my reader was, what they might want out of this book. Why would somebody else come to this idea? What could I offer them through my story? And so that book raising a reader turned out to be quite muddy. It, it sort of didn't know what it was. And, and there were parts of it that were, that were good and that um, were interesting and that I'm proud of, but as a whole, people didn't know what to do with this book. They didn't know where to put it. And some of the criticisms that I got on that book were, um, people thought I was nuts, you know, <laughs> like, like they were, they were, um, commenting on, um, sort of my parenting, which, which kind of missed the whole point. I was writing about an obsession, you know, so I didn't do a good job of positioning that book in the marketplace or understanding my readership and that, that kind of thinking is what informs all of my work now in training other uh, book coaches to help writers to do that work. It, the idea of all the way back to what we were talking about earlier of sort of crossing your fingers and waiting to be picked and waiting to be plucked out of the pile and just writing the thing you feel like writing. There's smarter ways to approach the marketplace and it doesn't mean you have to write to the marketplace. I don't think that's a thing you can do anyway. So that would be, you know, oh, vampires are hot. I'm going to write a vampire book. That's not at all what I mean. I just mean being aware of how books are bought and sold. How are they placed in the bookstore? Um, these days, there's not even a bookstore. So how are they, how are you connecting with your, your potential reader? What, what are they looking for? How can you bring it to them? All those questions were ones that I, that I did not answer in 
in my work. And, and so my diversification to answer your actual question into many different genres was more from, oh, I just want to write that book. I just, that's just a thing that interests me. And I suppose that can work for some people, but it, um, I was never going to get out of the midlist doing that. Uh, I, I just don't, I just don't think I would have. So, um, my, my writing career really stalled out because of my lack of strategic thinking. <laughs> well, but to, to your point though, I, I still feel like the, the, those stories that were on your heart, you needed to write them in order to, to grow from them, to learn from them. And there were still, there's still value in that. And the oh, value- no doubt. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I have no regrets at all about the path that I took and I learned so much and and it's a path a lot of people take it's it's the reason why most people come to writing is they have something they're burning to write so that's it's not at all a bad place to start it it's a place we all start and and I think the it's bringing in the the other way of thinking and understanding that what you're doing is you're producing a product that you want to sell that that is what you are doing and whether or not it is coming from your heart or you're burning to do it or whatever reason that, that you have to marry that with the reality that book publishing is a big business and it is a business and the writers are producing things and people are making money and that you have to I think bring the the two kinds of thinking together. Those those are the books that that in my mind, I mean, I can give an example. I just finished reading uh, Oliver Berkman's book Four Four Thousand Weeks. It's a Four Thousand Weeks Time Management for Mortals. It's it's a big seller right now, and it's this just incredible book about. It's not really about time management. <laughs> It's it's just about being a human and living with the fact that we're all going to die. It's a, really a book about philosophy and and our relationship to time. And and this book does exactly what I'm talking about. It's clear that this is a topic that the author has lived with and thought about and studied and contemplated and feels enormous passion for, writes beautifully about but also was so aware about the market for books on productivity and time management. And he cites a lot of the books that would be considered his competitors. And, and he positions himself in such a way that he knows we've all read those books and we've all dog-eared those books. And so he's really speaking to the moment and he's speaking to exactly where his reader is so it's this idea of making room for the reader. I think that's the that's the way I would frame it is that the books that do that so well may fully come from that person's heart and soul, but they make room for the reader. And 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 I just see that's the mistake I see so many writers make is, well, this is the book I want to write. This is the story I want to tell. This is the topic that's obsessing me. And so therefore that's enough to carry it and i i just don't think it is <laughs> well and so to your point you took 
that philosophy, you the, the learning that you gained, and you did write books, the blueprint books in particular. So that is, there's a very clear audience. It's a way to serve that reader is picking up the book where you started them, but they're finishing that journey because there's action and there's, there's instruction and guidance in there so that they can be the writer that they want to do, which weaves in the, the coaching that you have. So could you talk about the blueprint books and kind of blend the pieces together? Yeah. So I developed the blueprint framework in my company, Author Accelerator, because I was teaching other coaches how to help writers. And I firmly believe that there are systems and processes to the creative process that are repeatable. They're patterns. We see that we see writers doing the same thing over and over and over again. And every story is unique. Every writer is unique. But I don't actually think the creative process is that unique. I think that we all follow certain, we have to go through certain decision-making milestones. We have to, just a simple question of what is the structure of your book going to be? How is it going to be framed or formatted or, or constructed? And too many writers think that, well, a book is a book. You start at the beginning and you go to the end and, you know, you just have to decide who's, if it's fiction, who's narrating it, or, you know, it's, they reduce it down to these very simple ideas and, and they're really actually complex decisions. And we, we have to approach them at some point. And what I found in my coaching and in coaching the coaches is that too many writers, the time that they address these issues was after they'd written a manuscript. So they have 300 pages or 400 pages or 250 pages, whatever it is. And they're, they both were trying to do the writing and work out these foundational questions while they were doing the writing. So they were letting their subconscious perhaps drive those decisions. And then they get to the end and there's something not holding together and maybe they know it or maybe they're trying to go out into the marketplace and they're getting rejected they can't figure out why um and and a book coach can come in and look at that and see exactly why it's because well there's these foundational questions weren't answered and it's really clear that they're not there in the in this text and so i created the blueprint as a way to force people to engage with these questions before they started to write. And I, in a perfect world, which it is clearly not, um, every writer would spend some time thinking about these questions before they start to write. Now, that doesn't mean that you're done. (laughs) Um, the, The blueprint is an iterative process and it you answer the questions and you might answer them again and you might finish that book and go back and review those answers and realize that they've changed and iterate on on where it is you're going or what message you're trying to deliver or whatever the the answer is but the just the idea of making conscious these questions and answers and being intentional about them and that so that blueprint framework is one that i use daily with clients and and the coaches I train use daily with their writers and um it it has become a really powerful process that is easy to learn and teach and so the blueprint books were my effort so I said before why 
you know, you have to know why you want to write a book, what the point is, what the purpose is, what is the competition. I own all the books on writing. Every writer owns all the books on writing. We love them, right? And I love all the books on writing too. And so I really had to do the blueprint work on the blueprint books. You know, why would somebody need this book? What other books would they have read? What problem were they encountering? Where in the world are they in terms of their writing career? What do they need? How can I help them? Really understanding those questions and getting them them solid so that these books could could be helpful. And um, so that's what they are. There's a, a fiction one, and I just came out with a nonfiction one, and um, I love them. They're they're powerful little books. I love that. I love that you. This is just proof that writing. It's a, it's a, it's something that you evolve in and that you grow. And each time you write a piece, whether it's a book, a blog, whatever it is, you're, when you're showing up and you're doing the work and you are taking on the feedback and the growth and using that as lessons, your writing and your business grow as a result because you are iterating and you're improving. So what I hear you describing is exactly that. How would an author, how would a writer no, like what would be some indicators where they say, I need a book coach. How do I, how do I know that the, that I should take that step? I, what kind of questions should they be? Are they asking themselves? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, another corollary question is when in the process would you, mm -hmm. would you most want to be thinking about that? And I would say that if a writer knows that their goal involves publication. They're, they're going to be approaching their work with a different mindset. And when I say the goal is publication, what I mean by that is it's kind of what I was talking about before. There's a lot of writers who, like, I'm just gonna write this book and I'm gonna write this book that I love and, and it's gonna be picked and plucked, plucked out and I'll be crowned by some Perry Godmother. They, they don't wanna really do the work. <laughs> they don't want to invest the time or the energy and money. And the reason I, I mean, it's so clear is because it's terrifying because it could be rejected. You could say, I am going to try to do this. I, I want to be published. I want to be read. And, and then it doesn't happen that we're trying to protect ourselves from that. So I get that. But as soon as you're ready to say, I, I want to do the best job that I can with this book. I want to go as far as I can with this book. I want to be published. Perhaps I want an agent in a traditional publishing deal. I would say at that moment, that's a great time to invest in a book coach because a, a coach is going to help you understand the landscape, understand is your, is your idea even commercially viable? Sometimes there's, you can look at an idea and it's, it's just slightly it's just slightly off center and a tiny little tweak at the beginning can change the entire, the entire way that it can be sold. And so having somebody with an eye on the marketplace and a book coach is not going to know everything. Things change so fast in this industry. We're scrambling to keep up all the time with, with the changes as well, but we probably know more than the writer and, and we've seen more and we've experienced more and we can help you ask the right questions so that you position yourself most effectively to succeed in the way that you want to. So the 
the marketplace awareness is is a huge part of of what a book coach can do and then the accountability um keeping somebody's project on track keeping their deadline in whether that deadline is self-imposed or not keeping those um, pages being written and having someone to be accountable to and having somebody to now that i've been coaching for so long and coaching coaches for so long the idea of, of writing a full manuscript with no feedback along the way just seems to me to be crazy and um the being able to you know what we all crave is someone to pay attention to our work and care about it as much as we do and and that's what that's what a book coach can do so i would say when somebody feels I mean, look, if if somebody is doing well and succeeding and writing work that they love that is being accepted into the marketplace, they don't need any help. <laughs> but if but if somebody is struggling and they can't figure out why and they're stuck and they and they really want to take it seriously or they want to jump the line and not figure everything out themselves, that's that's the time to work with a book coach and. And I always say, if you only have a very small amount of money to invest, do it at the very beginning. Don't wait until you have a manuscript. It You can get so much incredible help for a very reasonable price when you're just working on the blueprint, when you, you can see so many problems in the blueprint and get so much good help at that stage that that's that would be my hope is get that help early and there's so many things that go with that it means your mindset is focused on your goal your intention is focused on your goal you've invested money and time and energy in your goal it really sets you up to succeed with the whole project so those are the those are my pieces of, of advice is is do it early and when you're when you're really ready to say i'm i'm ready to put everything into this and do the best have the best possible shot of being published that that's when you should go for a book coach oh i love all of this jenny thank you so much for this amazing conversation where can people connect with you and where can they get your books well, my books are available at all the places that that books are are sold and they can connect with me at authoraccelerator.com. That's the place if you want a book coach uh, or if you want to be a book coach to to learn all about those things. Awesome. Jenny, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad you were here and know there were some valuable nuggets shared to keep going, keep writing, and keep sharing your work. I'm a big believer that if you have a book that's in your heart to write, then there's someone else out there who needs to read it. Your story needs to be shared, so you have to write it and get it out into the world. Until next time, keep swimming upstream while going with the flow and get your book into the world. To learn more about Tough Fish and jump into the pond, visit jennifermilius.com forward slash tough fish.